Put your hands together. 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 What's up, guys? Let's hear it for you. It's a Tuesday. Here you are. You made it. You did a good job. Yes. Oh, what a good night to see you guys. Well, some cool... Oh, hey. Happy Halloween in advance. You know what I mean? Did I already say who I am? I'm Cameron Esposito. Did I say that? Okay, you can clap for me. No problem. This is Put Your Hands Together. We do the show every Tuesday night right here at the UCB Theater. And we also record it as a podcast, so this is kind of like a cool moment in your lives. Because <laughs> you're all celebrities. You're stars. Look at you. You made it! You're in the industry. You're in. You're all signed. I signed all of you. You're all signed. So report here. <laughs> I got some friends in from Chicago. Let's hear it for my friends. Let's hear it for Frankie and Michelle. Yeah, what's, how are you guys doing? It's so nice to see you both. I haven't seen you in such a long minute. You know, uh, Michelle is a huge deal burlesque star, so no problem. Just in the house. Just, uh, I have cool friends. Um, she's got a cool video out. Pretty good video. A lot of butt action, but to classical music. She's a classic girl. And you're in town doing uh, Lucha Vavum? Are tickets already sold out? A little bit left on Halloween. Why would you not go see... It's, it's Mexican wrestling and then comedy and then also burlesque. So that's all the things that you care about. Or if you care about stuff that's not that, just relax. Those are your priorities. Stay on target. Stop worrying about weight loss or whatever you're into. <laughs> Fucking burlesque and Mexican wrestling and jokes. We covered it all. So, uh, yeah, it is uh, Halloween on Thursday, which is when this will come out. And I had a pretty Halloween-themed experience this last weekend. You guys, I got booed for the first time. <laughs> now, first of all, round of applause for how inventive that is, kind of in, like, using another... Meaning of boo. It's pretty good. So it's Halloween themed, but in your, you know, like it's a stretch. I'm a brilliant comedian. Um, I've been on the road tour and I've been opening for uh, Mr. Anthony Jesselnick. And I was in, we had a, uh, we were in Richmond and I murdered. Great set. People were bringing me uh, spicy fireball flavored whiskey shots. And for some reason, I was doing them. I, like, quit drinking, except for this one night where I was like, what do you have, shots? Of course! I've been drinking it all. And they're spicy? Yes. Um, I don't feel good still. So I was, I was feeling real high on the hog. It's not a thing. Um, I was feeling real up my own butthole in joy. And then the next day... I was in Baltimore, and first of all, we were playing at an opera house, like an actual opera house, and the set from the opera was just on stage. Just a huge, like, just, just I don't know, how, how tall are feet? Just 40 feet. 50 yard, the 50-yard line was real tall, and it was a whole set, and, uh, and then us, just thousands of seats, and I came out, and uh, a dude in the audience, uh, like, he just goes, uh, Boo! Boo! Bring out Anthony Jesselnik! Which, I will tell you, in that moment, I wished that I could have. But contractually, I could not have. <laughs> like, I've never actually been, I've been, I've had people, I've had lots of responses. I've had lots of responses. Never a boo. Never just a boo. I feel like that's almost kind of old-timey in a way. Like, that doesn't even feel like so many people... It, now it's just like you're on your phone. Like, that's a much bigger fuck you. Just feel like I don't even... 
what you're saying is so irrelevant. I don't even have service in here, but I'm just scrolling through old tweets that are really old. I can't even update. Look, I pulled down nothing. I pulled down nothing. Sort of like, go out of your way to boo. He was hammered. He was ham-boned. He had been doing a few of them uh, shots himself. (laughs) Real spicy whiskey, and it made his body drunk. And I tried to talk to him for a while, but he did things like make kissing noises. It's hard to recover from that as a comic. There's not too much you can say besides just fuck you forever. Um, Actually, then he said, please stop using the F word. Which I thought was very interesting in contrast to bring on Anthony Jeselnik. I don't know if you guys know him at all, but pretty using the F word. thought I was. Like, I don't know if he thought that, like, Anthony was just touring by himself, and then he got lost backstage, and then I was just like, my chance! You know, like, I don't know what he thought. I don't know if he doesn't know how comedy shows work. You just, even if you don't, first of all, he had no, he couldn't have even possibly not liked me at that point. Number one, what a great mug. When I walk on stage, there's nothing to dislike. You could dislike my jokes, but I hadn't even told jokes yet. He's just looking at my face. My face is fucking perfect. What's his problem? Yeah, it is. Thanks for repeating it. I agree. So uh, he, I, I had to kick him out because he wouldn't stop be, like yelling, but nonsense yelling. Like I wish, I wish when people yell like something where it's like, "Here's my opinion," then you could be like, "Oh, your opinion, smash!" I'm a, you know, like you can. My point is, it's usually better than that because they've actually said something. But you understand what I mean. But when somebody's just like, but standing up and approaching the stage, there was a orchestra pit. I had to yell, like, fuck you forever over an empty orchestra pit. This is devastating. I had to get him kicked out because he wouldn't shut up. And also everybody around him was like, yeah, kick him out. So I had to get him kicked out. But he was so drunk he couldn't stand. He had to be picked up. I had Security had to carry him and then they dropped him. <laughs> they dropped him. And then I had to do 25 minutes of material. I just want you guys to know that's a really hard situation to recover from is a man being dropped on his head after being like, ha ha, shut up, bring on Anthony Jaslick, drop. And then you have to be like, anyway, my family. You know, it's tough. (laughs) Shit was rough. Um, But I did a great job. (laughs) So I'm pretty professional, good at my job. And uh, I also... Like, even then, even during the rest of the, I don't know, somebody was yelling something homophobic, which, I don't, that's only happened in two places, Baltimore and Boston. So, what's up, East Coast? Turn your hats around or something. Like, what's going on? Why are you so threatened by my just jean jacket in existence? I'm not even near you. I couldn't be further from a dude just being like, I can't look at her! Um... Somebody yelled something homophobic. Then I looked up at the set. Now, this is the, this is the part I want you to leave you with. I was, so the set was, it was, uh, there was Latin. I don't know what the opera was. Something old. And uh, there was Latin. And the only word that you could read wrapped around this, like, set building was just the biggest in the hugest letters, just Homo. I've never been more devastated. I was like, you annihilated me in front of my... I'm supposed to be! I own this stage! This is a stage of me. Not in front of Homo. Not on Homo's watch! Which brings me to Halloween. What a great holiday for a little gay kid. If you know a little gay kid, if you know a little gay girl, make sure she gets to wear a suit. When you're a little gay kid, people think something's up with you, and they are right. Um, You are a homosexual. (laughs) And a lot of times, you have to kind of do some conforming. You know, you have to, whatever you're doing. I didn't, I, I like, really was stretching it a lot. Like, wearing, uh, like, I auditioned, (laughs) I was uh, Christopher Columbus, in, in Quest of Columbus in fourth grade. And I will have you know, I was the only girl who auditioned for the part, but I got it because I'm very good. 
But like in a play, that's different, you know, because then it's like, oh, I don't like his camera's supposed to be doing that. But on Halloween, you mean anything. So I was uh, Robin Hood, whittled my own bows and arrows, carried them in a quiver. <laughs> Garfield. But like with a huge, like a furry, like a plush, like too big. Like all my friends were like 50s poodle skirt wearing girls and I was just imagine my face in Garfield's mouth like that's how big the head of the Garfield I'm wearing is like what's up guys and I was so sweaty because it was so hot one year I was a bloody pirate just painted a beard on my face and dipped my favorite plastic knife in some red paint to simulate the blood of my enemies but my favorite one I was Charlie Chaplin and wore a full suit. This is what was amazing about this. They don't even make, like, child-sized novelty canes. So just imagine, like, a little kid holding, like, a full... Just a little kid in a suit with, like, a little... Like, just a... With, with a huge... Kid, like, a, like a tiny shepherd Hitler. You know what I mean? <laughs> so if you have a little gay kid in your life... Now's their moment. Let them shine. Let them be whatever they want, you know? And really and let them soak it up because it's the best day of their little gay lives. <laughs> Are you guys ready for the rest of the show? Yes? Oh, we have got an awesome one tonight. This gentleman back visiting us. He's been on the show before. We loved him. Let's hear right now from Mr. Barry Rothbard. Guys, give it up for Barry. That was weird when I kept doing that, even though you guys weren't, you guys totally stopped it. I succeeded in having you guys stop loving me, and that kept fucking shooing you away. What if I can't ever get you back? Then this would be a terrible podcast. Good to see so many whites came out tonight. I'm glad uh, Franklin Village was able to produce some white people. Um, <laughs> do you think anyone has ever said, um, man, this homemade jewelry thing really worked out? <laughs> you think anyone's ever said that? Like, whoa, I was at the lowest point of my life. I just gave up acting. I put some beads on a string, taped a bottle cap to an earring. And now I'm a billionaire. I made a billion dollars from homemade jewelry, and my dad loves me. It's a different career, man. Open your eyes. This is how people are making money now. eBay, Instagram. You don't get it, man. The government, man. I love conspiracy things. I, a friend of mine's a conspiracy theorist, and he he uh, he told me once he was like, you know what, all these problems in the government is because it's mostly run by reptiles. <laughs> so he just said that. He just said that, let that linger, and I was like, what? And he's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Do you want to buy this homemade jewelry or not? <laughs> Conspiracies. I only have one conspiracy theory, and it's that Hillary Clinton never takes off pantsuits. I feel I have a theory that she gets home, she takes out, her, she takes off her formal pantsuit, puts on her casual pantsuit. When she goes in the shower, she puts on her waterproof pantsuit. When she fucks, she puts on her fucking pantsuit. That one doesn't get a lot of usage. Think about it, the government man, who's responsible? Who knows? Open your eyes. Building seven. <clears throat> <laughs> that guy's conspiracy theorist. <laughs> oh, let's just talk about 9-11 for the next 15 minutes. No other comics want to go on stage, right? Okay, cool. I'm very successful, you know, as you could tell by the, the no credits that she gave me. Um, So when I go home from the airport, I like to, to travel in luxury, and I like to take something called a super shuttle, also known as a shared ride van. I don't know if you've been on one of those, and if you don't know what it is, I'll explain it to you. It's where like five or six successful people get in a van, 
and they just be successful all the way home in, a, in successful awkward silence for about two and a half hours longer than it should take anyone to get home. I, I love getting in a super shuttle because it's so weird. It's like getting in a family van right after the father finished being abusive. You know, like, I feel like every time I get in a super shuttle... Like a minute before I got in, there was a dad who was just like, Shut up, Karen! Shut up! I hate you! I hate the kids! Hang on, someone's coming. Everybody shut up for two hours. Every once in a while you get talkers. You have people who like to talk, but no one else wants to talk to them. I heard a guy in the back, he was like, Oh, he hung up his phone. He was like, Oh, real estate, huh? Everyone was just like, What? And then he talked to a girl, and I, I overheard him bragging. He goes, uh, you know, I work in real estate, and I make $3,500 every month. And I was like, wow, that's a really plausible brag. <laughs> that's like being like, guess how many cars I own? One. <laughs> guess how many rooms are in my apartment? None. It's a studio. <laughs> that's right. I want to fuck. I want to fuck something for about four minutes. Guess when I come first. I just moved in with my girlfriend, which means I can no longer come on myself and fall asleep. That's done. Can't do that. They don't tell you that in the book. It's like, fuck. Look, I can handle a lot, but just let me come on my own body. I come on my own back and just fall asleep. That's all I want. I like dirty talking. I'm good at that. It's always weird. Like, you say weird things. It's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard context because you'd say anything. Like, I've said the usual lies. Like, yeah, I could go again. Or like, you know, I didn't fall asleep for a second just now. But... <laughs> I've said weird things. I don't know how they come out. I was once with a girl and I just went, I want to go on trips with you. I said that during sex. I want to go on trips with you? And she was like, what? And I was like, oh, oh, God. Oh. Weirdest thing I ever said during Dirty Talk, I was with a girl. And we were, you know, we were together. We were doing the sex, you know? You know, people have sex. We're having it. And, like, sometimes you take yourself out of the moment and you're just like, oh, my God, I'm with another person. Like, you have two arms and legs and flesh and a heartbeat, you know? Like, you're another person. I didn't say all that. All I said was out of nowhere. I went, I love that you're a person. I said that during sex. That's a weird thing to say. Because that implies you're not usually sexing with people. It's like, oh, I love that you're not a couch. I love that you're not two Ziploc bags full of jelly with rubber bands around them. Try it. <laughs> Try it. All right, guys. Thank you very much. I'm Barry Rothbard. Barry Rothbard, guys. Give it up for Barry. Keep it going for Barry. Yes. Oh, well, I'm so excited about this next comic. We've been trying to get him for a while. I'm so excited he can be here tonight. Uh, you would know him from his podcast, WTF, with him. Here he is, yeah. Mr. Mark Barron. So hi, Mark. First of all, and thanks nice for doing the show. Yeah. What are you working on Can I have on a tape right of that set, even though I don't want you to? Yeah, of course. Right, I'm good to you. tape of that set. Thank you. How new is that stuff? New. The ice cream stuff, as mundane as it is, is really new. And yeah, the blogger, inner blogger guy, that's a new guy. So I got to want that out there, but it's but I'm starting to use it more. So what are you doing right now, like, with your time? Obviously, your show happened and was on air, and your podcast is, like, rolling and stuff like that. Are you touring right now? I just did a special uh, for Netflix called Thinky Pain, which is out. Uh, we're in the middle of writing season two of Marin. Awesome. So, like, every day is sort of writer's room. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. And I'm not touring so much because i got to be around for that. Sure. But I'm doing a lot of spots out what is that like at this point? After having like your own show, does it feel different when you walk on stage? No, because I mean, new shit is new shit, you know. And, and getting tired of old shit is getting tired of old shit. That doesn't change. Do you feel like people in the audience look at you and expect different stuff? No, I'm still sort of. 
Oh, I'm you. still sort of like I'm not like a you know big star. People who know me know me, and they're happy to see me. But most people still don't really know me, so I'm still okay. How about airports? Do you get stopped? In yeah, airports? yeah, no, I get stopped, but you know, it's not like you know, oh my god, you know, they're usually cool. They're usually my, I know my people. They're yeah. like, hey man, you know, just want to really enjoy your show. Like, it, but it, you know, it's it's contri- manageable. You know, I'm at a manageable tier, very specific thing. You can still go buy ice cream sure, yourself absolutely. if you want to. Yeah, I can. All yeah. right, man, we'll get you that set. Thanks for being here. Okay, I appreciate yeah. it. You're a very relaxed crowd. I like that. You Because he, he has his own television show with his name. Is, is the sh- That's the show. And you guys were like, all right. We'll see. We're all pretty unsure. This famous comedian. You guys okay? <laughs> no, seriously. Like, actually, specifically, I feel like you guys are doing fine. What's what the fuck is going on with you? Just generally here. See? Did you see how even when I pointed at you, there should be some uncomfortable laughter there, where you guys are like, <laughs> not us, but you were like us. <laughs> and I did not like that. You know, even in the background now, people are touching their faces as opposed to allowing the joy to come out of their faces. And I rhymed that, and I know I rhymed faces with faces, but in today's pop music, that counts. That fucking counts. Count it for the home team. I should be wearing a tiny bear outfit. Am I right? Where is Robin Thicke? Who cares? Are you okay? Come on. Come on this part of the room. These guys are doing fine. Now, now what the fuck happened to you? I got them, and you guys were like, oh, finally the heat's off. We can relax and be idiots. Stop being idiots. Uh, this is the terrible part about this is that like sometimes I get messages after people listen to the podcast where they're like, Cameron, I wish you wouldn't yell so much at the audience on the show. And I say, you don't understand. I have to. They've been bad. All right. The other day I was at the airport, and what did I do? I cut the top off my finger. And I don't know if you know this about fingers, but they... There it is. I don't know if you know this about fingers, but they bleed like a motherfucker. So I cut the top of my finger in the airport bathroom, and then I was trying to, like, figure out how to clean it up, but, like, like, cartoon amounts of spurting blood, like a clown rose, were just... All over the bathroom, and every time I kept trying to wipe it up, then I would just get wherever I was wiping more blood there. And I had to go get band-aids, and then my flight boarded. So that bathroom is fucked up still. Salt Lake City. Sorry about it. But I kept thinking, like, I love when you have those moments, because as people that, like, are in the world, sometimes we are in, we're just like, how did this, if you guys ever, you're like, how did this happen? You know when you walk into an airport bathroom and there's blood everywhere, and you're like, how did this happen? Sometimes it's nice to be on the other side of this, where you're like, oh, this, I tried to clean it up, it was everywhere, I took my finger out, I got out of there. You know, like, sometimes you get those moments. Like, one time, I was nannying. And I have had several nanny families, so I'm not going to betray myself on which family this happened with. But my, my underwear was going right up my bum. I was feeling uncomfortable in my underwear. So I took it off. But then I realized I was with a kid. And her parents were going to come home. And I didn't feel like I could have my own underwear in my pocket. I just feel like that's a weird moment. Like, because, I mean, I, I wasn't going to throw... But, like, what if I just was, like... My key, oh, my key, and then just my own underwear. They'd be like, well, we don't train, you're fired forever. I, what are you doing? And I'd be like, no, no, it's mine. And they'd be like, worse. Um, and I also didn't feel like I could safely throw it out in the house, because then it's like, yeah, again, like, like again, I mean, what's, like, what's worse? Like, oh, I dropped it. Or like, why are you so bulky? Or like, I threw it, and then they're like digging through their, like, oh, did you throw away that receipt from that jacket I bought? And they're like going through there like, what is this? You know, like this whole, there's anything could have happened, right? So here's what I did. I packed up my kid into her snow outfit. Because it was winter, and I lived in Chicago. And we went out to the park. And on my way to the park, I went to snowbank. I dug a hole, I put the underwear in the hole! And I covered it. And I love this story because there's definitely times in your life, I know everybody here has had a time in their life when they like were walking down the street and they were like, underwear? How did that happen? And now you know, right here. 
Just workplace professionalism. That's how. Okay, all right. Hey, this next comic, he's got a great album out called Alexander Hamilton. We've had him on the show before. We love him. Let's hear it right now for Mr. John Rye. Give it up for John. What's up? Keep it going for Cameron. How about that? Right? Always love being here at UCB. Uh, something about myself. I am not religious. I know that is the least shocking thing to say in the world to an audience full of Mark Marin fans and stoners and improv students. No one's here like, wait, what? Yeah, that's right. You know that theater over by that store where you buy Mother Jones and newspapers from Paris? Uh, yeah, and by the bourgeois pig, that theater over there? There's a show that's produced by a lesbian, and one of the performers on that show, not religious, turns out. But I'm not, but I'm also not one of those in-your-face, hardcore atheists. I don't think that anyone who believes in God is dumb. My dad believes in God, and he has a master's degree in theology and a master's degree in philosophy. He read Nietzsche's Twilight of the Idols in German and understood it. I don't really understand Pink Floyd's The Wall. The movie actually made it less clear, to be honest. I thought I had it. I'm like, he's shaving his eyebrows. I don't really know what's going on at this part of the movie. I don't think the people that are religious are necessarily evil or cheating people or trying to do a bad agenda. I think most of them are trying to do good. I think most everybody's trying to do good. I'll bet there was at least one guy on the Death Star that was like, why don't we just blow up their moon? <laughs> Wouldn't that be enough just to blow up their moon? To get them to stop braiding their hair into earmuffs or whatever it is that they're doing that we don't like? I guess I just, I'm not religious because I think the explanations that science has are just better explanations. And I think the explanations, that was really the killer app of religion for thousands of years. The explanations, they had the best explanations of how the universe works. So people listened to that and then listened to the other shit. They were like, well, they were right about the sun turtle. Maybe they're also right about butt sex. We don't know, but we should listen. <laughs> you should hear them out. Now... I'm not, I don't have a problem with all the uh, surrealistic imagery in the Bible. That doesn't bother me, or in any religious text. It doesn't bother me that there's things that seem hard to believe. Because an integral part of every religion, when they started, was hallucination. Right? The Greeks did it. The Native American tribes in South America still do. Jesus had his visions in the desert after staying there for 40 days. That fucks you up. <laughs> And if you don't believe me, talk to someone from Arizona for an hour. <laughs> and you'll totally get where I'm coming from. Some people even think that the manna that the Hebrews ate in Egypt was hallucinogenic. Uh, and so to me, there's no wonder that Moses heard the voice of God coming out of a burning bush. When I was on mushrooms, I heard the voice of God coming out of a Bob Marley poster. And I listened to it for 10 minutes while I poured an entire beer in my lap because I forgot I had it upside down to begin with. <laughs> I don't know if maybe it's, it's just that I went to Catholic school. That's why I'm not religious. That might, might be that simple. Because I think you could probably stay religious if you went to public school and only went to church on Sunday. But Catholic school is a lot of religion at once. That's like smoking 40 cigarettes because your dad catches you smoking one. <laughs> it's just too much. So I got out of it. I didn't get confirmed. And when I was sitting on the side, I'm like, well, maybe it's just my own religion that I don't like. Maybe there's other religions that are awesome. So we're watching all the Catholic kids go through the rehearsal, me and the one Eastern Orthodox kid who went to our school. And I was like, is your religion like way better than this? He's like, nah, it's just this with beards. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think they all pretty much suck. But I'm an agnostic, and nobody likes that. Neither atheists nor believers like when you're an agnostic. It just means I don't know what I believe. Nobody appreciates that. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Believers try to pin you down. They go, how do you know? How do you know you don't believe? You ever pray? I'm like, no, I've never prayed. Okay, what about when you thought you were going to die? You ever pray when you thought you were going to die? I'm like, well, one time I did think I was going to die, and I did pray, but I don't think that means anything. I don't think that means that's what I actually believe. I thought I was going to die. When I think I'm going to die in Mortal Kombat, I will hit all the buttons. <laughs> That doesn't mean that I think hitting all the buttons is one of Johnny Cage's actual combos. I'm just having a heart attack, or I think I am, because I'm on bad acid. I'm like, fuck it, pull the goalie. Let's see. Right? When you think you're going to die, when you think you're out of it, you'll fucking try anything. 
we, you'll never see a half-court shot at anything but the buzzer because that's the only time when you're desperate enough to think it might work. It'll never be like it now. We go live to the beginning of the Clippers game where Blake Griffin takes a bizarre two-handed shot to no one. Griffin gets the ball again and does it again because he thinks that's a good way to shoot. I'm not even sure we think prayer works at all as a society. We'd like to think it worked, but I don't think we really think it works. If we really thought prayer worked, why do we call a Hail Mary a long bomb to anyone? Wouldn't a Hail Mary be like a short, controlled pass to an open man for five yards to ensure a first down? Like, wouldn't that be a Hail Mary in a society where you actually thought that that shit worked at all? But then from the other side, atheists don't like it either. They're like, why don't you take a stand, agnostic? Why don't you take a stand? You're too weak to take a stand? I'm like, no, I'm too dumb. And so are you. And so are all of us. Because we don't want the fucks out there. We want a tiny little ball in the corner of the universe. We don't know what the rest of it's like. How could we? We've never been there. Asking you to describe what the universe is like from Earth is like asking you to describe Paris from the airport. And not their airport, our airport, LAX from the Antiani's. You ever seen a map they made of a place they hadn't even been yet? Most of it's just filled in with like drawings of monsters, like a fourth grader's notebook. It's useless. You might as well write Megadeth rules in lightning bolts right next to it for all the good that's going to do. And then the other thing that atheists like to do, they think they have this, this formula that proves there's no God. They go, okay, match these three sentences up. Sentence one, God is all powerful. Sentence two, God is all good. Sentence three, bad shit still happens. Can't match it up. Proves there's no God. I'm like, no, it doesn't. What if there was a God who was all powerful, but not all good? Because it seems to me like if there was a God, he's responsible for some dicky shit. Like seawater. There's a liquid we need eight cups of a day to live. And there's another liquid where it looks identical, by the way, to the first liquid. And when you drink it, you fucking die. And God made 80% of the world the death version. And then sprinkled our favorite seasoning all over it. Thanks a lot, Dad. I'll have fun on Poison World. Now, I don't know if there's a God. I definitely do not think there's a devil. I don't even think the official explanation of the devil makes any sense. Like, that's, I mean, the devil is supposedly the head of evil everywhere, but he's also the man who punishes you in hell for being evil for God, even though he is evil. That's like if I said, you are going to jail and you have to run it. What? Fuck, no. Can I free myself? No. But do a good job. If I were the devil at that first meeting, I'd be like, all right, here's what God wants us to do. I say, we put that aside. We get some committees formed and start putting out some of these fires. I don't know what you guys saw in here, but I saw a lot of fires. Then the methods the devil's supposed to use. This is the head of evil everywhere, and he has to resort to fiddle contests. Giving Robert Johnson guitar lessons fixing Yankees games. The only way it makes sense is if God is actually just a shitty kid. Just God's shitty kid. That's the devil. That's all he is. Just Jesus' shitty younger brother. Never amounted to anything. Now he's pissed. Spends billions of years moping around the kitchen in his socks, eating all the cereal. And finally, God's wife is like, the kid's gotta go. And God's like, go where? Well, you better get him a job. But he's not good at anything. He just sits in the basement all day long with his asshole friends playing the fiddle. That'll do it for you. It's been a lot of fun. Mr. John Roy, give it up for John. All right, dudes, we got three comics left. We're going to do it. Oh, did you just, wait, were you wiping like, were those tears of laughter? Oh, oh my God. No, I didn't. But I mean, yeah, but also legitimately, yes, weren't those? Those were actual, oh God, that is the best to see. And you have a mustache. You know what I mean? Like when you have a mustache, then ah, it's too perfect. Give it up for that guy. Best guy in the house. I love the old tears of laughter. It always seems like so. 
seems like such a... F- it's perfect. Hey, uh, this next gentleman. Now, first of all, he is... I'm really, I'm really stoked because he's just telling me back, be backstage. He's like been doing clubs for, I think he said 17 or 18 years, and he's now uh, moving into the alternative circuit. Now, motherfuckers, what does that mean? We're going to be loving to him. Here he is taking a risk. And you guys, relax. He's gonna be great. You've seen him on Mad Men. Have you heard? Have you seen that show? Yeah. That little. Yeah. No, I mean I know you have, but thank you for the. Yeah. Still, you're a little bit weak. Have you seen Mad Men? You guys seen Mad Men? Yeah. Statistically, I know you've all seen, or at least you know what it is. There's got to be that nobody in here is like, I'm not. He's also going to be on a Kroll show next season, so look at that. That's kind of, you know, one for the, for the ulti homies. Am I right? Kroll show? Huh? You guys suck. You're the fucking worst. You're the worst. I know you're trying hard, but you are not nailing it. <sighs> Let's hear right now from Mr. Brian Scalaro, guys. Give it up for Brian. Come on. Thanks, guys. That was like, uh, that was the intro you give like your retarded cousin. You know what I mean? Be nice to him. He, he's not from here. I, would, I didn't say don't, don't, I didn't, don't tell them that I never played an all room before. Now it's like all this fucking pressure. I would have just liked the faggot, you know? Now, and then Mad Men for like five minutes is a fucking, you think John Hamm's coming out and it's this fat guy? You know what I mean? That was like the weirdest intro I've ever had. It was very welcoming, but it was a little like, good luck, fatty. I hope you fucking shit yourself out there. Wow. I'm like nervous now. I wasn't before. She made me nervous. I almost threw up. Did you see that? That would have been a fucking horrible first show at UCB. We saw this fat guy, and he, he shit himself. He threw up, and he, he just kept talking like he didn't throw up. It was really weird. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'm a little fat. I know why you guys brought that up. <laughs> That's rude. I'm a fat actor in Los Angeles. There's like 30 of us, and I see them at every audition, the same fucking 30 fat guys. I'm thinking if I start killing them, then I'll be like the top fat guy actor. You know? That would be fun. I was on a TV show last year that, that kept making fun of my weight, and they were like, you're a comic, you make fun of your weight all the time. And I was like, uh, yeah, but I'm saying it. The other characters are saying it. It's weird. You know, can I say it? And they were like, no. I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought I could just, I thought this was a welcoming atmosphere. So, I, you know, now it's weird. Like, they expect you, you're fat, so you just should be able to take the jokes. That bothers me. That's like, uh, fuck that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, that's what kind of logic is that? They're, they're denying me my right to be who I am. You know what I mean? You don't tell a gay guy to stop sucking cock or a black guy to start, start acting white. You fucking let the fat guy eat. You know what I mean? You don't change who he is. You deny me my culture. You know? We have culture. Thanksgiving's a fucking... John Goodman's birthday. You know? Uh... I'm trying to lose weight, but I'm not trying at all. <clears throat> I am, uh, I'm, this is what God made me, and I'm fucking here. As long as he lets me fucking breathe. It's getting a little hard. The, uh, yeah. But the one thing that bothers me, uh, they kept making these jokes like my character wasn't, couldn't get laid because he was fat. Like, they'd ask the girls on the show, and they're like, yeah, he doesn't take care of himself. That bothers me. A lot of, it's, TV telling people that fat people don't get laid. You know, that's not true. There's fat people everywhere. You know, somebody's fucking us. <laughs> Clearly, we're breeding. You know, that's the thing. There's, it's the last socially acceptable prejudice making fun of a fat guy. You can still do that. You can, you know, there's no fat rights spokesperson. There's no Martin Luther Burger King Jr. <laughs> Just come out to defend us. But fat people get laid. Some girls fuck fat guys. You know, not all girls, not most. Just some girls fuck fat guys. And ladies, I don't know if you know this, if you fuck a fat guy, you go to heaven. Yeah. That's in the Bible. Genesis. I think it's chapter 10 versus Godzilla. 
Yeah, that's stupid. Anyway, so I'm the, the, the one fat guy in my apartment building. It's like 200 hot girls and me. And I, we've been living there for like eight years. Me and my personalities. We've been living there. <laughs> I've been living there. And these hot girls come and go. And uh, none of them say hi to me in the hallway. They see me every day and they don't say hi back. It boggles my fucking mind. I live there. They're, they're worried like I'm going to fucking eat them in the hallway or something. And I know why they don't say hi to me. It's like that hot girl mentality. If I'm nice to the fat guy in the apartment building, he's going to misconstrue it. He's going to like hit on me all the time in the laundry room. He's going to find out where I live and ring my doorbell with a fucking rose or something. And that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> fucking touche, hot girl. Touche. But when I get them alone in an elevator, I like to scare them a little bit because I know they're already creeped out by me. So I like to make it, might as well be scary then. You know, like the elevator does close. We're like, wouldn't it be funny if the elevator just stopped and we like started making out and we fell in love? <laughs> five, I'll get up at five. Live on five, huh? Yeah. I don't like talking to my neighbors. I feel like you gotta... You know, every time you move to a new place, you, you got to lay down the law a little bit. You want to be friendly, but not, you don't want to be too talkative, because then they're going to talk to you all the time. I understand that. You got to scare them a little bit. No matter what they say, just react a little fucking angry. Like, here it's going to rain tomorrow. The fuck did you say? <laughs> it's going to fucking rain? Ah, fuck you! Rain! Don't talk to the fat guy in 419. He hates rain. <laughs> I have upstairs neighbors. This moved in. I already have the schedule down pat. Uh, 6 a.m., they drop a bowling ball in the living room. 6.15, they river dance in the kitchen for a while. 7 a.m., they drag a couch up and down the hallway. I'm not sure why. I think it's because they want to see how it looks in other rooms, you know? Like, oh, it doesn't fit in the bathroom. That's the same as yesterday. That's weird. We'll try again tomorrow, same time. <laughs> There's a couple that live next to me. And they argue in their bathroom at 6 a.m. every day. They brush their teeth and comb their hair and just argue, you know. And I go to bed at like 3 because, you know, shows to 1. And my head, see, this is my head. This is always my head. <laughs> There's a wall. And they fucking, like, stand here and just argue. But I never hear the words, you know. I just hear, like, every day, like, so I met him in the elevator and I was like, hey, how you guys doing? And he was like, who the fuck And it turns out they were retarded. All right. Fuck, I'm, maybe I should have ended on that. Anyway, I don't like my neighborhood too much. It's a fucking loud now. I heard a fight outside my window. Right? So I looked out. It was just two black guys saying hi to each other. <laughs> Did you know... Uh, <laughs> Do you guys know that a black woman wrote the theme song to Jaws? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, that's the joke I really came here to do. That's the, that's the direction I want to go with my career. <laughs> I was like, I'll take it to UCB. But you guys are, uh, thanks for being nice and uh, hope to see you again. Nice to meet you. John Hamm, ladies and gentlemen. From Mad Men. No, Brian Solano, guys. One more time for Brian. Holy shit, he's hilarious. Hey, we got two comics left. Do we have it in our hearts? I thought we did. Come on. This next comic visiting us from Canada, so we're going to be super the best to her, because, you know, that's a lot to compete with. Great health care. <laughs> decent wildlife. <laughs> Guys, let's hear it right now for Deanne Smith. Give it up for her. Come on. Okay, guys, here's what's going on. You've heard a lot of jokes tonight, and I just want to share with you, like, I'm having problems. Like, and I just want to, I'm having, like, lady, lady problems. And I don't usually just open with that, but I feel like on Cameron's show, I can. I feel like we're all friends here. It's 2013, right? No one's shocked. No one's like, oh, my God, that little boy's a lesbian? Holy shit. Like, 
We're all on board. We're all on board, right? You loosened up, thank God. When I said lady problems, you were like, well, is she going to talk about her period? I'm not. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. So I'm having lady problems, and before I get into any of it, I want everybody to know, I just want it on the record, that I'm a feminist. I'm just going to put that out there before I say anything else about women, okay? Because I want you to know that. Not everybody will say that about themselves. I have a female friend, like a woman. She has a vagina. She said, she's told me, she goes like this, I believe in women's rights and everything, but I'm not a feminazi. Not a feminazi. Have you guys heard this before? Feminazi? I was like, wow. Feminazi, that term that is so degrading to feminists, so degrading to Nazis. How are you going to put those two ideologies together? You can't just mash up anything you want. They're very different. What's a feminazi? What's a feminazi? Like, oh no, the feminazis have invaded Poland and now the whole country is just singing folk songs and sewing their own menstrual pads. Oh no. <laughs> Thanks for following me on that mime. I don't know how to sew. I think it's like this. <laughs> going to be great for the podcast. But what's a feminazi? A feminazi is like, oh no, the f- we're the feminazi. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> I reference the podcast and then I get upset. Here comes the best part of the joke and I hope it still works because now I've kind of stepped all over it. It was this, what is a feminazi? I'm trying to imagine. Are people like, the feminazis are terrifying the nation. Oh no, here they come. All those feminazis just terrifying the nation with their resounding cries of Heil Klittler. Oh no. <laughs> All right, you still went for it. That's okay, Klittler. I thought of that one day. I thought of Klittler. Um, I thought of it. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I looked at that paper and I was like, take the rest of the afternoon off, Deanne. Good work. <laughs> You've solved comedy. It's over now. <laughs> Take a walk, eat a muffin, enjoy your tiny victories. That's how I felt about it. Very proud. But if I'm going to be honest with you, which I am, I was also horrified that I had thought of that. I was proud of, thought of it, thinking of it and horrified that I had thought of it. And those feelings can coexist. You know that? Pride and horror. Those feelings can coexist. You've all felt those feelings before, pride and horror. It's like the same feeling you get when you take a really big dump. Do you know that feeling? You're just kind of like, ew. But then you're like, hey, I made that. That came from me. You feel good about it. I have to do that poop joke there. You guys are a cool audience, but if I do any of this kind of stuff in a club, people get uptight. They don't like it when I talk about feminism. I can feel it happen. Everybody gets like, oh no, she's talking about feminism. Is she just going to spout rape statistics at us? What's going to happen? And I'm like, no, of course not. I'm going to deliver you safely to a poop joke. Don't worry about it, okay? You're in the hands of a professional. It's comedy. There's only so many places it's going. There's only so many places it's going. I would never, I would never stand on stage and spout rape statistics at a group of people. Mostly just because inconsistent rates of reporting and conviction make it all a little bit... A little bit controversial. And I would just want to be accurate if I was going to do that at all. It's usually about one in four women. I am. I get really annoyed... I get really annoyed by sexist advertising. And I'll just choose one company to talk about really quickly, American Apparel. You guys, you know American Apparel. Everybody's seen. And they have, like, really sexist ads, right? Like, I feel bad even just looking at them. If for some reason you've escaped the ads, I'll explain them to you really quickly. They always choose these, like, wayfish, like, 17-year-old girls. I'm doing this because they're always at weird angles, right? Just, like, like, draped over, like, a heroin addict's bathroom sink or, like, just in a warehouse. Just everything. showing everything they could show. You don't even understand. You're like, her boobs are to the camera, but also somehow so is her ass. Like, I thought I knew physics and the human body. How's this even possible? They're there wearing nothing, like... Not clothes that aren't even an outfit. I don't know how they do it. They're just there, and it will be like leg warmers, and then like a dog sweater scrunched up on one sleeve, just like a ring of feathers. And then, and they always say something like super suggestive, right? There's the girl, and then it will be like American Apparel. Get inside it. And you're just like, okay, yeah. And like as a feminist, it really bothers me that the beauty industrial complex just exists to objectify women. And as a lesbian, I always look at these ads and I'm just like, yeah, I'd get inside it. Mm! I don't want to feel this way, you guys. It's not good. There's like a constant battle 
show in my head all of the time, just a conflict. The advertising's working. That's what I don't like about it, right? There's the feminist side and the lesbian side, and the feminist side is always like, women's rights, women's rights. And the lesbian side is always like, yeah, but sometimes you just gotta fuck stuff. And like, I don't... It's horrible. It's horrible. And I'm going to go on about it for a minute. And let me also just acknowledge that I know it's weird when I talk about sexual things. That's weird coming from this, right? Because I'm freaking adorable. And, um... But also super horny. And, and I don't want to objectify women. I really don't. I don't want to in life, but I can't help it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm glad that it's getting cold out. I'm happy for the fall and winter. Where I live in Montreal, this is what happens in the summer. I don't know if this happens here, but I can't even deal. It's too much. In the summer, women go outside in Montreal, like wearing nothing, like little tiny skirts. Okay, fine. And then they get on bikes. Like, what? It's everything I like, and it's moving. Like, I can't be expected to pay attention. If you're a girl in a skirt on a bike, I will follow you. I will follow you. I will go down the paths you're going down. I just want to know where you live. And I I wish... I wish it wasn't this way. I don't want it to be this way. But I put it all out there. I don't know. I just, I I put it all out there. By the way, also, let me just go to the side for a minute. I'm aware of the fact that I said girl in a skirt on a bike. I mean woman. I just mean legal age woman. Okay? (laughs) I don't mean girl. It's just easier to say girl than woman. I don't mean, I don't mean like, oh my God, she's so sexy. I love how her shoes light up when she walks away. Like, I mean, (laughs) I mean like a, like a legal age, fully formed woman, human. And, um, I guess I just put this out there to like, if there's the straight dudes in the room, I just want you to feel related to, I guess, you know, like I'm going through the same thing sometimes. Like people like to, you know, if if you're like distracted by women all the time, if you're like thinking about them, objectifying them, like I'm the first one to say, like, I think it's, I think it's okay. All right. You're not pigs. You're just conflicted feminists. I think that's what's happening. You're just like me. I don't know how you don't go crazy for boobs all the time. I really don't. I don't like I go like I go crazy for boobs all the time and I have boobs. Like I don't know how you don't go crazy. But it's really different. It's different when they're your own. It's not the same. Like it's kind of boring when they're your own. You know what I mean? It's just not the same. I'm just like, oh, how come you guys never make breakfast? Like it's not exciting. Um, it's a really weird note to end on. Thank you guys so much for having me on Dan Smith. Dean Smith, one more time. We got one final comic tonight, and it is his first time on Put Your Hands Together, but he's a great LA comic. We love him here. Let's hear it right now from Mr. Tom Sibley, guys. Get over Tom. Hello. I'm your final lesbian comedian of the evening. Shit, man. I mean, I, I can't compete with all that. I'm straight, too. I'm like, shit, she really knows what she's doing. Guys, I'm celebrating tonight because my roommate got himself a girlfriend! Yeah! And she hangs out at our apartment like all the time! Yeah! She never leaves! Pays rent somewhere else! Always at our place. So it's kind of like I have a girlfriend, but I don't have to deal with any of that boring sex stuff. But I do get all that sweet, sweet conversation. (laughs) She talks to me like I'm a child of divorce and she's dating my father, basically. I'll be like sitting, watching TV, and she'll just come in real slow like, Hey, what you watching, West Wing? Ooh. I always wish Martin Sheen was our president, too. And I'm like, yeah. And then one time she came in, she's like, I heard you two got pizza last weekend. But I like attention, so I totally played into it. I'm like, yeah, it was real good. We got mozzarella sticks, too. (laughs) Dad said you were going to come, but you didn't, like old mom. (laughs) But we we share a bathroom. They love the bathroom. Here's something I've learned. The worst shower to get into is one two people just got out of. Yeah, and here's why I feel that way. I'm sure you have your reasons. Mine is very irrational because I assume everything in that shower only moments ago was inside someone's butt. And I don't know 
Why? From the drain cap to the conditioner, all of it. And these are two fucking nerds, too. It's not like they're sexually, you know... But I just picture them in there like, is that the herbal essence body wash? All right, come on. Let's do it. If you get that, we can double side. All right, good. We live in a shitbox, though, in West Hollywood, the uh, Russian part, not the gay part. And uh, we still get mail for our previous tenant, which includes Holocaust Survivor Newsletter. Mm. Yeah, let's let that make the room weird for a second. And in case any of you are looking to have the worst conversation of your life, try canceling a subscription to Holocaust Survivor Newsletter. Never said I'm sorry more in a five-minute window in my entire life. Uh, they were like, is there a problem with your subscription? I'm like, no, 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 I love the Holocaust. It's just, that's not what I meant, I'm sorry. <laughs> a little bit about me, guys. Uh, I used to sh uh, study a lot of Shakespeare because I was a huge dick. And uh, I got fired from the one and only Shakespeare show I was ever cast in on opening night for improving a few lines. <laughs> In case some of you are not familiar with Shakespeare, it doesn't really lend itself to improv. <laughs> Especially when your character's name is Officer Number One. <laughs> All I had to do in this show was take a prisoner in front of a king and say, and this is a three-hour show, this is all I had to do. Drop a prisoner in front of a king and say, no sir, no jot, I know your favor well. And then pick up the prisoner and walk him off. That's all I had to do. So I do that. And as far as I'm concerned, I did it really good. <laughs> and I got really excited, so when I picked up the prisoner, I went, all right, buddy, let's go, let's go. No funny business. <laughs> like I was a beat cop in a cartoon about Chicago. <laughs> When I got on stage, the guy was like, you talked the whole time. I'm like, did I? <laughs> so that went really bad. <laughs> As a teenager, I was a real hopeless romantic, yeah. which just means a lot of girls broke up with me, and I wrote a lot of songs about it on the acoustic guitar. <laughs> and with song titles like, You Are the Sun and Night Sex, <laughs> it's no wonder I wasn't elbow deep in scooch at all times. What's Scooch? I don't know. <laughs> Could be what you think it is. Could be something cool that you didn't know about yet. <laughs> but um, there was this girl, and I knew she was about to break up with me, and she was the love of my life. Elizabeth Bubzer. Real name. Facebook it. <laughs> and uh, she had said to me once that she liked funny guys, so I thought if I could make her laugh, she wouldn't break up with me. So what I did was I looked up a bunch of old-timey jokes on online, America Online, and I printed them out and I tried to spice them through the breakup conversation. <laughs> so she was like, hey, Tom, I think we really need to talk. And I'm like, absolutely we could talk, sure, but first, a question. <laughs> She's like, okay, what? And I'm like, where do you take a wasp when it's sick? She's like, I don't know where. And I was like, a waspital. <laughs> She was like, okay, weird. Um, I don't really think we should be boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm like, ah, bah, 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 bah. we can absolutely talk about that in a second. But now I have another question. How does an elephant hide in a cherry tree? She's like, I don't know how. And I said, please don't do this to me. <laughs> I guess it's no surprise that I lost my virginity to the song Mambo Number no. 5 by Lou Begum. <laughs> But guys, it hasn't been all strikeouts. I had sex the other night. No big deal, no big deal, no big deal. <sighs> Something happened that's never happened to me before during sex. While we were having sex, the girl said to me, uh, slap my tits. <laughs> now, no one's ever said that to me before. And I know how you're supposed to react to that. As a man, you're supposed to be like, yeah, I'll slap your tits. <laughs> I'll slap him in half. Y'all gonna have four titties by the time I'm done. <laughs> Yakada, yakada, like a speed bag in my dad's basement. But instead, I went, she goes, slap my tits, and I went, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like I worked at AutoZone, and she asked if we had spark plugs. I'm like, spark plugs? At AutoZone? Absolutely, come with me. I'll slap your tits for you on the way over. So I did it, I did it. You can't just jump into this, you have to test the water. So I went, you know, I, I did one to test, I went, yuck. And it got a really good reaction. So I was like, all right, cool, let's keep going. And then I got, you know, I started getting into it more, and I got them both in one swoop. I went, Zaga! 
and just got a better reaction than the first one. And then I got cocky. No pun intended. Don't really know if that's a pun. I don't really know what puns are. And I backhanded them. Like I was challenging her boobs to a duel. She was like, okay, that's enough. And I'm like, sorry. All right, guys, my name's Tom Sibley. Thank you so much. from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.